0: shouldn't hold riddle me that the rest of y'all know where i'm lurking yeah can none of y'all mirror me back yeah hear me rap it's like hand g rapping is prime i'm young h-o grabs great for dead have to take over the globe now break bread i'm in bowing chance ladies and gentlemen welcome back to miami nice i'm your host blake howard joining me as always my partner in all things undercover mrs katie walsh hello katie
1: hello hello good to be back as now, always
0: now while we sit in our sort of Miami-Dade-PD undercover office together, stroking our chins about who is the next target for our show. Just sort of going, who is number one? Right at the top of the list has been a, an actual animated photograph that occasionally gets used on her incredible pieces at the New York Times. Is this photograph right up top that says, Most Wanted, and underneath that face is a name. It is, I think the greatest living film critic. She hates when I say that. She's covering her face right now. You'll never see this because this is an audio podcast, but she's one of my favorite people in the world to talk to. She has given so much time to all of our insane projects, way more than it actually deserves, but we have to bring her on because there are really true, I don't know, people in this industry sometimes flippity-floppity around with their opinions. I hate seeing all of these online instagram TikTok critics that are just like slavishly wanting to mouth kiss every blockbuster from marvel and have no integrity but this person yes. has more integrity than almost any critic that i've ever seen and part of that reason is because in 2006 she had the guts To say that Miami Vice, alongside things like Children of Men, alongside things like Inland Empire, was one of the best films of the year. She doesn't really need any introduction on any of our shows, but I like to give her ones that make her blush. Welcome back to One Heat Minute Productions, and for the first time on Miami Nice, Manola Dargis. Manola, it's so great to talk to you again.
2: Hi, Blake. I mean. It is just there is just no way I can live up to that. But that was hilarious. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'm very happy to be with you and Katie. This is a really fun project. And uh, I'm also just, you know, right off the bat, just have to say it is so incredibly heartening to see Michael Mann kind of, you know, and it's been a process, you know, as we know really get the kind of critical uh attention uh that he has always deserved yes but that back in the day back in the olden days children (laughs) when i was a pup you know (laughs) michael mann was would make you literally laughed at which happened to me like after i kind of reeled out in a daze after seeing last of the mohicans and just you know you know, just being del- so deliriously happy. And I friend, good, really good friend of mine, just kind of like, what? <laughs> you know? And so it was a very, it was, I think I must have said this uh, on the Heat podcast as well, but it was for a very long time, it was very lonely. And I'm not saying that in a kind of self aggrandizing way. It's really just a kind of observation that it's been very interesting to see how uh, critics have, you know, this kind of this critical consensus has has shaped and shifted over time to where he is finally, you know, accepted as, uh, as, a, as a great a great filmmaker. You know, it's kind of now seems that it would be against the grain to say otherwise. Um, so, and this kind of project, which gives him the kind of attention he deserves is, is just so heartening and wonderful. And so that's my very long-winded Hello.
1: <laughs> well, you have been beating the drum. I mean, we I was going back and reading some of the um, material that you've written about or just even there's like a QA and a with you and your colleague. A.O. Scott, Tony Scott, about, you know, t- answering questions about movies and, you know, how Michael Mann was never really respected and all kinds of, you know, you have been letting us know that you know you're on team man and it's it's <laughs> got to be crazy to see you know the way the like gen z and millennial generation he's like their god
2: <laughs> no it's it's really it's 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 really heartening you know and i'm i'm glad that to be very blunt i'm glad he's alive to experience this yeah. of love you know because sometimes people just it happens afterwards like i just read. You know, it's this weird thing that that daily papers do oftentimes uh, is that they celebrate people after they die. We don't necessarily, you know, like I just wrote something about James Caan recently, and someone wrote, you know, too bad this is, doesn't, you know, this kind of appreciation isn't done while the person's alive. And I completely agree. And so, you know, I think Michael Mann is strong and is going to keep on going and, you know, making movies, et cetera. So I'm not worried about him, but I'm just very grateful that he has been able to you know experience this uh critical turn you know um which is it's just very gratifying
0: well you and john baptiste the Ray, who's who's an incredible french critic have both kind of and 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 our and our lovely friend mutual friend Bill Ibiri have been beating that drum you would never have thought stumbling out of that session of uh, last of the mohicans that there is an entire twitter account from a young gen z who we both know and have had on the show man facts and he can simply write three words manola i know this wouldn't be on your radar but he writes michael man facts on any relevant tweet And we'll just murder that person's mentions for like three days because he's feverish crazy followers We love him bless him and all those kids that are out there. I'm just like these kids will be all right If there's more of him, it'll be all right. You do something different. Well here We wanted to talk to you probably most specifically about Miami Vice from 2006 and speaking of beating the drum it took a long time and I love what you said. It took a long time and it's really gratifying now that Michael Mann has really considered this, you know, a, a great American filmmaker and finally getting his due. But also it feels kind of even stranger. There's an even bigger delineation of like, there's a series of movies that kind of start obviously with Thief and Manhunter are so amazing. And, um, but you get a series of films like Mohicans and Heat and then The Insider and then Ali and then Collateral. And it's like, there's a whole run of films there that feel like they're all massive and a part of this growing concept to him as a filmmaker. But then you get something like Miami Vice, right? Or then you get something as like Black Hat and then you get something like maybe Public Enemies. Some of his films that are like pushing the envelope further narratively, visually, and they kind of, they flip, not only it's like people came around on heat and people came around on The Insider, of course, with Oscar nominations and things like that. But the turnaround on Miami Vice is what really makes Katie and I laugh and joyful because it's like right then and there, when we first saw it, it was like, this is a great movie. It's a sexy movie. It's incredibly photographed. The performances are crazy. Colin Farrell is not there. It's one of his best performances ever. And all the stories behind the scenes just make it so interesting and fun. But how weird is it seeing Miami Vice particularly get this like, uh, it's almost like the uh, the revisionist western right it's like the revisionist impression of miami vice how weird is it to see for you have you seen how that has grown and shaped because you were literally an outlier in 2006 and now katie and i hear hilarious stories at q a's where people walk up and they don't even ask their question first they say michael man just want to tell you that uh miami vice is a masterpiece anyway here's my question and michael Mann sort of sits there perplexed like what did that person just say to me? Did they say that it's a masterpiece? People yeah. hated this movie.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny, though, because people did hate it, but it also, you know, I mean, Tony Scott made it a critic's pick in the New York yeah, Times. Yeah, he did. It, it is interesting. At the time, there were people who were saying it. I mean, I think that for someone who's working in the mainstream industry, I always kind of assume to a certain extent that the box office becomes an obvious barometer of, of success. And so you know, yes, there were people who didn't like it, but, you know, those people were never going to like it. And there was there were a certain group of people that just were never going to take Michael Mann seriously, you know, and that was in 2006. So that's quite some time ago. But, you know, the movie did not, the movie was a very vexed production, which I'm sure you've already gone over. And, you know, I would imagine that for Michael Mann, like thinking about it, it just seems like a lot of problems, you know, a yeah. lot of incredible difficulties, including having Jamie Foxx walk off the production, you know, which is like, Mind blowing, and the fact that that man was able to make a brilliant movie anyway is astonishing. But I would I would imagine that for him there is this cloud that is that uh, that is always going to be a present because of the circumstances of the actual production, how arduous it was. You know, again, you have one of your two stars walk off, and a star that you had made, you know, who you had made great movies with, and had a you know obviously a a, a, a relationship with. Um, and I would assume that they were trying to like build a kind of body of work together. I mean, they already have three movies, but it, so, and then it didn't, you know, it, it did okay. It it did well at the box office. I think it recouped its money, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like one of these monster uh, successes. And I I just think that for commercial directors, that's always a consideration. And no matter how good you might think the movie, you know, and my man being such an, like such a profound perfectionist, I would imagine that that he's just like incredibly self-critical. People who are this critical and demanding of other people are always hardest on themselves. And so I would imagine that every terrible story that one has ever heard about Michael Mann and his behavior, all of which I take with a grain of salt and also think, you know, the guy is doing his work, <laughs> um, I'm sure that he is absolutely hardest on himself. It is impossible for me not to believe that, you know? And so, um, I mean, the thing that I think... So, can we just? You want to just dive into the movie? Let's dive
0: into the movie. Let's dive into the movie. It's uh, wherever you want to start. We're we're okay. ready.
2: Well, I watched the director's cut, which um, I realized it might seem heretical. I had actually never never watched before, and and because I I'm sorry, I didn't have enough time to watch both the original theatrical cut and then the director's cut. Don't sweat I was it. Not, I was not able to do a kind of back and forth comparison, though I, I did find a hilarious uh i did find a website um which i should not mock uh that start that does provide i kind of break down so i was able to kind of just double check it um,
1: we can tell you all the differences I'm between sure the cards
0: we know it, it may not have come across your radar but katie and i also created what we call the definitive miami nice cut of the movie it. which we actually had made which is the it's thea- the
1: blend
3: it's the blend
0: it's the theatrical <laughs> uh, cut awesome. opening and then a lot of the director's cut, and then it sort of finishes up with the ending at the, the theatrical cut. That
2: so is extremely funny. <laughs> but I, I this this particular website, which you know had like screen grabs um, of uh, of the new the new material uh, that the, the man had not the new material, but the material that the man had added. Basically, it begins with like you know this is going to disappoint people because there's not more action and violence in it, and I was just like so missing the point. <laughs> of this movie (laughs) and what was so interesting um I find the topic of genre super interesting because genre you know it's a moving target and what a genre was in the 19-teens the 1920s you know it changes and and I like just like making up genres you know it's like a hybrid (laughs) genre and I understand that there are kind of classical genres but you know a lot of genres fit in the between spaces, right? You know, and the thing about Michael Mann, I think is that people think of Michael Mann a certain way. And sometimes I think what people think about is they think of Michael Mann in the big shootout in Heat. And that becomes like their definition of Michael Mann. And Michael Mann is obviously, as we all know, a much more interesting, like that's a great, brilliantly staged, choreographed, you know, directed scene uh, in Heat. But he's a much more interesting director than just one particular shootout. And the thing that really struck me watching this movie again is about how I think Bilga in one of his pieces talked about narrative drift uh, uh, in relationship to Miami Vice. But I think also I just was like, it's kind of like, it's almost it doesn't matter. Stuff is happening. And it just, it, I love how floaty I mean yeah I realize float and drift are very similar but I felt that this was a movie which had basically transcended genre to become a kind of pure Michael Mann joint you know it was a completely it is like abstract expressionist Michael Mann at times you know (laughs) where you're just like I don't even know what's going on it's so beautiful And it's not annoying the way it can be with, uh, let's say Michael Bay or other people who are actually much worse than Michael Bay in terms of like actual visual incoherence. You know, Michael Mann's work is coherent. But I got the sense that, the actual like details, the, the things that people, the story-driven things that, you know, a lot of critics are gonna fix onto because they're basically gonna give you a, a freaking plot synopsis. I'm trying to keep my language PG-13 here. Um, <laughs> you, don't you don't have, have to. to. <laughs> oh, I don't have to, awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Instead of giving you a fucking plot synopsis, like what is happening in the movie? And this movie drops you into the middle of yes. stuff that is happening. You know, it is not rounded out it doesn't have this kind of predictable three act structure or even four or five act structure. You know, it's like, you know, you can say, oh yes, the scene kind of rounds out or doesn't, but it just drops you in. And I just feel like I'm in the flow of the life of of these two characters, these two men. And part of the life, and part of what I absolutely love about Michael Mann, and this is much more accentuated here, let's say in heat where i i i felt frustrated by the rep the the female characters in heat even though frankly when they're compared to a lot of other uh (laughs) genre movies um you know women have a much stronger presence in heat is that this is a movie where it's work it's about this movie is about love yes i mean if i had to say one sentence about this movie i would say this is a movie about love and this is a movie about love for your comrades Love for your lover, for the women, the women in these men's life, love for work. And the way that that all blends and blurs is so absolutely in the actual shape of the movie and how the movie works. That kind of blurring of like you're in the shower and then you're in the car and then you're, you know, dancing and like all of that just turns into like there is no demarcation. Between these different parts of these people's lives, you know, this is like they wake up, they fuck their partner, they go to work, they nuzzle, they talk, they fight, they nuzzle some more, they fuck, they <laughs> fight, they fuck, they fight, and maybe that's it. Maybe this is a movie about fucking and fighting. You know, I don't know.
1: <laughs> it is,
2: and it is interesting
1: that they both uh to use sort of a crude phrase shit where they eat <laughs>
3: yeah
1: <laughs> they they you know he's dating a co-worker tubbs is dating a co-worker and then crockett is dating his uh his mark and you know it's like oh they're crossing all the boundaries of like what is supposed to be appropriate and not in the workplace
2: right. because there are no boundaries right? right yeah this is a movie where you know like in terms of genre in terms of how the scenes are constructed in terms of how the characters move from space to space it's like this big blur you know it's floating
1: and, like yeah you said. It's yeah
2: super interesting and you know when you think about it to me in a weird way it's much more like life yes you know it's just like i'll be one minute working and then the next minute i'm going to the fridge and the next minute i'm talking to my husband and the next minute i'm looking at my cats whatever i'm like doing stuff i'm doing you know like the way that I think narrative kind of, kind of a certain kind of idea of narrative is it's, it's very defined and very kind of structured in a way that life is not. I mean, obviously there are important moments, you know, and we certainly have the nine to five as one structure, but, you know, there's a, not everyone lives to that, you know, there's a, there's a blurring. And I just felt like that, that part of that blurring then I feel is really key to understanding these characters too. You know that they kind of like one minute they just are always kind of moving and going forward and doing these different things. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that do... was
0: maybe the greatest review I've ever heard of anything in my life.
2: <laughs> no. oh, the fucking that you thought was hilarious. <laughs> no.
0: The fucking inviting was the crescendo. That was the crescendo. You always got to finish strong, Manola. This is what I learned from your amazing reviews. You got to finish strong. And that fucking inviting, it's like, fucking fight. But that's enough. That's enough. Yes.
2: But it's also about... because what is life, you know? I mean, it's like, yes. I think one of the things that I think is so terrible about, you know, so many movies is that, like they don't talk about the things that are really so many movies are about like special things that happened you know versus like what is actually most important to us in our own lives and what's important to you. and love is a really huge thing and you know it's it's and it's not it's not love in the kind of often cinematic way you know it's love is very messy and you know i i think that the the love affair uh, between Gong Lee's character and Colin Farrell's character is just sublime I mean I like the other one as well but because we're actually watching the trajectory of them discovering each other yes. you know it's very rich because obviously Crockett and his girlfriend are already established couple right you know yeah. but we get not Crockett I, I think I just
0: Tubbs, got- Tubbs. subs
2: sorry 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 um it's so weird because in my head, I've always thought of the two characters by their first name. So I've got a little thrown because I think of Crockett and Tubbs so much like as a kind of entity, uh, uh, I really connect Crockett and Tubbs to the television show. The television show, Okay. Yeah. And in this movie, I really, I just don't think about their last names. I think of them really as Rico and Sunny. I know that's- Well, how- let's
1: call them, we can call them that. Let's go, Rico, oh, Rico, Rico Sonny. and Sonny.
2: Yeah. It's a little easier for me um and I think it has something to do with that like my resistance to the original show which I was not a fan of. <laughs> so, I, you know I love Michael Mann but I just that was not a I was a bit too far <laughs> That's okay. Thank you very sometimes, much.
0: Sometimes sometimes we have a black hat bridge that's too far. But you know, <laughs> sometimes you have that. It's okay. We are we're, we're allowed to love what we love and love it hard. But I'd I love
2: it So the yeah, so I guess the only thing i thought is like watching the movie again after many years of not watching it um when watching the director's cut i just felt like if i were if i were like working in an old-fashioned video store and i had to like come up with a you know if i had to figure out what genre category to put this in i wouldn't put it in action movies i wouldn't put it in detective fiction i would put it under romance <laughs>
0: it you, <laughs> you have know.
2: to and you know i I, I do think that the relationship uh, between the Colin Farrell and the Gong Li characters is just, it's sublime, you know? And she does some of her best work I've ever seen. I, I think her performance is an astonishment. And um, I mean, she's a tremendous, tremendous performer, but the scene where they they're in Cuba and they're dancing, you get to see her falling in love and realizing there's something different about this man. She shows you everything that is not stated in her performance. And I mean, she's got one of the great landscapes, you know, in, in cinema, I think her face, but it's an amazing, the look of vulnerability that she suddenly reveals as they're dancing where she realizes because the the dance is set up so nicely. So of course, um, at this point, they've with one of the worst lines in the movie, which I kept kept thinking about this line, of course, you know, I'm talking about, I'm a fiend for mojitos, which, you know, (laughs) again, I just thought, okay, let us, I I had to like take five minutes to calm down about that one line. And I kept thinking, was this supposed to be funny and like a, a dude's bad attempt at humor, but that Colin Farrell, who I actually think is very, very good in the movie, it doesn't quite work and so it just lands in this bizarre way where you're like what <laughs> did i just hear like i literally I, I i wronged it just because i was so stunned at hearing you me.
1: know that line has become like the ultimate meme of it's, this movie uh,
0: yeah it's it, if it's anybody wants
1: to signify yes it's a shorthand. It, it's a shorthand. answer <laughs> yeah. so what
0: happens is like when when we're online it's like that is like an instantaneous like friendly you just like see some a friend you see their twitter bio and it says fiend for mojitos you're like yeah baby this is, we're gonna be friends
2: <laughs> and let me ask you a question i'm just gonna de- uh just uh little open a little pocket here uh have you guys come up yet with your miami nice t-shirts and of course if there is one i am a fiend for mojitos how is that not going to be bought by every film critic who cares yeah. about my I mean,
1: we well, need a fiend for mojitos in like a neon font
0: yeah we can do we can sort that out that's t- <laughs> manola dog is tm and we get gonna I'll, I'll make sure that one gets to you in the miami, mail
2: it has to be that certain kind of pink i think probably you know Yeah.
0: like a
1: like a palm tree like 80s yeah. sunset yeah, you, re- you referenced
2: it earlier in miami anyway so they're at the so they've gone because he's a fiend for mojitos suddenly they're in cuba and i remember what i was thinking about like i you know how certain movies that are important to you, you actually remember what you were thinking as you first watched the movie. And I could remember me just watching them suddenly on the speedboat, you know, to Cuba and just thinking, oh my God, I love this movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> because what's so great about it, again, in like another movie, and I guess, you know, why, why this scene, why are we suddenly going to Cuba for this very long scene? It's like, because that's part of the movie's point. You know, it's not, you know, it's not just some extra little bit, you know, it's actually really fundamental that these two characters are going to run away and have this private moment away from all the surveillance and their respective teams. And they are going to carve out a space for each other. And they're going to be sexy as fuck. (laughs) That's insane. But the way that the actual dance is choreographed, I'm sorry, I have to stand up. You know, he's like, do you dance? He comes up and then he comes up and he just kind of stands there for a beat. It's really great, right? He just stands there. He just waits it, to see
0: what's happening. He waits yeah, to see what she's about to do, pausing like for the there. beat on the music and then bang.
2: And then suddenly he's like, do it. And you're like, oh, wow. I girl is dancing?" What the dancing. <fuck? laughs> and... And it's very sexy and you know these two these two bodies in sync beautifully and and that you just see it's like a curtain you know falls on him. you just see her and it's just this charge. It's fantastic. You like the mojito?
3: Mojito's great.
2: an entire scene like that that would seem superfluous and off point, you know? But I think like Michael Mann puts all this stuff that would be other people would just cut because it wouldn't serve the kind of runaway train of a narrative, right? Where we just go boom, 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 we're going to do that. He's like opening these pockets that are really beautiful and are about mood and about feeling. I mean, he is such a lush, romantic filmmaker, you know, and which seems again, contrary to i think a certain kind of very blunt idea blunt and kind of reductive idea about what a filmmaker what kind of filmmaker he is and that kind of lush romanticism his movies are so much about feelings you know and it's it's so beautiful and anyway i just think that this movie doesn't conform to what people kind of understand it would be and i think that that was very confusing and I mean, when you think, compare this to like the regimented way of like a Marvel movie, which is, all you know, for the most part, and I like, this is not an anti-Marvels, I've liked, made some Marvel movies critics picks, but they are, they are right now, I mean, you can almost time them, you know, you understand how the action sequences are going. And, and we know and it's almost you could sit there with a little stopwatch and say, okay, boom, boom, boom. And I actually believe Kevin Feige does sit there with this. <laughs> <Okay, laughs> then five minutes click. Okay, we need another action. Okay, two more minutes. Okay, we need a you know, and right. this movie completely does not yeah at all. I
1: was gonna say I you know what I'm thinking about the dance sequence and her falling in love with him. It does, you know. It does feel like, oh my gosh, we're being taken away to this other land, and it's outside of everything. But then it also has a very specific purpose as well, because later Jose Yero sees them dancing on the CCTV, yes. and he's like, they're in love. Yes. And that's when, like, he's like, I'm gonna fuck this shit up. And so it's like, it all has purpose. It all has, you know, um, a place in the narrative and in the story. And like, it's going to be mirrored back to us in, in different ways as well. So
2: yeah, it,
1: it all, it all, you know, it feels like vibes and mood and tone. And I think that's what people find it. So why we all find it so intoxicating. Um, but it also is very intentional.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I I, I hope I didn't in any way. No, no,
1: no, no, I wasn't arguing arguing. with you. I was just underlining that point. Right, and then
2: comes the evidence that that screws up everything, you know, proof. Like it is so, we think it's hot and amazing and the transparent. And so does he, and he figured he uses it against her, right? <laughs> yeah. That the, the uh, you know, like, look, you can see this is something is wrong here. And- but it's
1: kind of like a magic trick that man pulls off where he's like, oh, let's just, you know, like the way that he makes it feel like a runaway narrative, like you said, or drifting or floating, but then it all like, ha- like fits together. I mean, it's like that, that he even pulled it off with the issues that they had on production is <laughs> insane. Right.
2: You know, no, amazing that he would actually have to have to change the ending. And I yeah. think the ending is perfect. I mean, I was just you know I lingered over the final shot of the movie, and I was just thinking a lot about the final shot of the movie, which I think is really important. And it's such a you know it's a, a it's a shot of Sonny going back to the hospital, right? And it's just you see and you see some nurses outside, and he's going, and it's just there's a the quotidian aspect of work you know, you're back and it's like, yes, she's in the hospital, but it's like, this is what you do. There's just something very, the ordinariness of that shot, you know, and the way that it's not one of those kind of, the ways a lot of movies will kind of seal off the movie with they'll have like, they have to have their great last lingering shot. There's something in in a movie that has, that is really, is filled with extraordinarily beautiful images. This is beautifully shot, obviously beautifully, but there's an ordinariness that I just I thought was really like an amazing punctuation on the entire movie. It I don't know if that. Struck no,
0: me. it's yeah. but it's also so funny is because sometimes you forget you forget the impact of that. Very relatable. It feels like it's sense memory. Everyone has walked into work and seen the few people having a cigarette outside the door at whatever time you've got to go in there, and you're just checking your pockets that you've got your stuff and the entire chaos of your life is on your shoulders, but you're just walking in like it's totally fine. And I love how that is just seconds after what is one of the most beautifully composed shots in the history of cinema, which as you said, that Gong Li's beautiful instrument and her hair flowing in the breeze and the score going, and it is just breaking your heart open and then back to work. I think it's that contrast of those two things, which is insane. And I love what you were saying about the escape the movie decides the movie tells us how to watch it and the movie tells us that this is we've got time we've got time for this moment in cuba together but i love the bit of business movie business that i love at the end of that is when colin arrives back and uh you know where Sonny arrives back and he's talking to rico and he's walking along and rico's like where the hell have you been i <laughs> right? love
1: that part i love <laughs> that like,
0: part. he's like he's like not in front of Trudy because that's this is working i was like where the hell have you been man to, wait, wait you went went down to the keys havana he's like you went to cuba like <laughs> just like, that whole like 15 second exchange that summarizes the, the dalliance off to cuba i i can't get enough of it because very meta you know it's, it's, almost it's
2: like he, you know he's like yeah i know we just took a big chunk of time out <laughs> and acknowledging it you know through the di- through the dialogue it's, it's but like fun. he's still got
1: his co-workers going where the hell is Sunny? God damn! Like, <laughs> uh, it shows up two days later, reeking of rum and covered exactly, in sweat. <laughs> and he's just like, "Don't worry about it.
0: Don't worry about it. I'm gonna. I'll get changed. I'll get changed. I'll be. I'll be. He, Sunny is our favorite person that everyone has covered for at their work. Who's really great, but it's just completely unreliable. <laughs> You're like, "Oh uh, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be back. Yeah. I think they're in a meeting." <laughs> He's just that. hooking up with the boss's wife in the broom closet, but he'll be out soon.
2: Don't worry, he's there for the job. So anyway, um, I, it's great. So yeah.
1: yeah, I just wanted to touch back on like something that you said at the beginning of all this, which was like people turning around on this movie, and like I can- I think that you know the the people who love Miami Vice now and who are like oh my god, like why didn't people understand this at the end? Like you crystallized something for me, you clarified something for me, which is like in 2006, with the stories coming out about the production, with the box office issues, like, of course, people would just be like, oh, it's bad. You know, like, like, we are, the people who are discovering Miami Vice now are discovering it outside of all of this context of the industry and gossip and scandal and even outside of, the 70s remakes that were happening at the time or like Jamie Foxx winning an Oscar or any of that stuff. It's like it needed to be on its own away from everything else for people to understand it and kind of give it a chance. I agree. I think
2: that's absolutely right on. I think in a way it's that it's the movie for this new, you know, this new group of people who really love it is arriving in the way that I actually kind of think all movies should be, where we just are kind of just greeting the movie on its own terms. Exactly. And and I think that, I think, you know, I I really, it's very hard, particularly now with social media, but I really try to make an effort not to read about a movie beforehand. I mean, sometimes yeah. you just can't, it's in your face, it's really annoying, but I do think like, you know, it does, like you really try to push it out, but it does kind of, it does cloud and they, like your perceptions of it, and just the way the way I feel about like I try not to hold the directors' bad movies against. So I always try yeah. to walk to Ron Howard's movies as I always say with an open mind, an open heart, and open eyes. You know? so <laughs> just, like always expecting and hoping for the best. You want to give yes, and I think that that for whatever reason, uh, you know, it's certain certain directors get really. uh, uh have a harder time for the problems that happen than other directors you know it's a really interesting thing and and, and you know i think michael man i i don't think he suffers fools you know and no. i don't think he cozies up to uh cozies up to press or makes nice and there's such a kind of uh disgusting thing about niceness you know i mean and it's like i just yes. most directors are assholes you know and it, as long as they're not breaking the law or like you know uh actually like sexually assaulting someone uh harassing some i'm i'm pretty like you're an asshole okay just i'm not saying michael mann's an asshole but i just like <laughs> it's such a boring thing it's like yeah you know Someone
0: raises their voice also. That's the other frustration. I'm not sure. Like I've I've had an entire life working, you know, a double leading a double life like Sunny and Rico of, you know, having to work day jobs. And let me tell you, some of my bosses raise their voice. You know what I mean? Like they just they weren't bad people. Sometimes you get pissed off and you raise your voice and they raise their voice, and then you're like, okay, we're good. Yeah, fine. And you get back to it. I feel like it's like this completely like. No, no one's kumbaya. People are yelling. Sometimes it's for safety. Don't go near that. It will explode. Tom, please wear those, uh, Tom, please wear those, uh, lenses in your eyes because a rock from a, a, or a piece of dust on the plane that you're hanging off the side of is going to kill you if it gets in your eye. You know, people have to be uh, tightly wound, but you said, you know, like greeting movies on their own, coming outside the vacuum. I just want to tag one more thing on it because i think you nailed it in an earlier part of your analysis which is when you have been so programmed implicitly by the timer of all of these Mm -hmm. formulaic films if you've grown up with like and you know back in the day we had three star wars movies yeah that were like these huge cultural texts that everyone watched and consumed endlessly but there are 20 of these marvel movies or more and so, when, if you've ever been a Marvel kid your whole life and you've got the timer, even if you love the movies, implicitly you get the rhythm and the pace. Now imagine just stumbling onto Miami Vice on a streaming service. It just pops up and it's invited. It's no, There's no fanfare, especially on the big ones. There's no fanfare and you press play and this movie does nothing that your entire being has trained you to receive for your whole young life. And you come into this movie and then it just does this and it has a completely different interest than than I'm gonna adhere to your beats. And I think also that's part of it. There's like- Oh, that's true, yeah. There's a completely different viewing audience who maybe haven't had as diverse a mixture of different kinds of films or filmmakers or haven't had that same relationship. And streaming is just like, you know, you hear people like, give me my 20 minutes of funny, three-camera comedy, and get out of my face. Now the next one, yeah, and get out of my face. And I feel like that that rhythm of doing it over and over again, that's why some of these films are getting reappraised, is because they're blowing people away, and blowing them out of their program. It's like, don't you realise you're just in the maze? You're just a little, <laughs> little I, running in that thing.
1: It's funny because I... I'm in this mode right now, especially with like digital action and CGI and like just looking at clouds of pixels like uh, uh, over and over again. Like someone will put a clip of like Predator 2 on Twitter and I'm like, that's the most beautiful cinema I've ever seen in my life. We didn't know how good we had it. Shot on 35 millimeter. Cut like expertly by Mark Goldblatt. Like, I'm just like, why? Like, I, I just look back at these like movies that people just were like trashing, tossing about and back in the day and I'm like, this is glorious cinema. <laughs> and,
2: you know, I think that we are trained for all sorts of reasons and I think part of it's like you have to fight it and expand what you see, but we're trained to kind of see things through these templates, right? You yeah, know? yes. So again uh a movie gets uh tagged as an action movie and, and then we have an understanding of what that particular is and we want and we and it's very hard to kind of break out and here's a movie that doesn't for instance have like if this movie had subtitles you know if this movie had had <laughs> yes. like, imagine like <laughs> if this had been uh, directed by Benoit, not <laughs> sure, someone you know french Oh, theaters with <laughs> subtitles, and everyone's speaking in French.
0: Jean-Pierre Melville.
2: Exactly. You know, I really am curious. Like, would that have changed the perception? It's like, oh, true. You know, I mean, Tony in his review. I re- we read his review, and you know, he actually talks just about. And then we can also talk about like how Americans, including Americans, have a problem with beauty. Like, there's a kind of, I think, a, a holdover puritanical thing about beauty. Like, just yeah, for the sake. Um, so that he actually, you know, invokes the, the words, you know, the, the phrase avant-garde, and I think that that's really right, you know, that it becomes this kind of, that, that this is pushing uh, a, a certain kind of narrative in a way that I feel like people can't even believe someone like Michael Mann could do, you know, right. like I think it's almost, but again, imagine if this had come, was, it was a French movie and everyone's like, oh, the door, <laughs> you know, would people have been more receptive to it because yeah. it seems more like it has, it's been a kind of tradition of uh foreign language, you know, of the art film yes. rather than mm-hmm. the kind of the classical Hollywood cinema type, you know, like, I, I just think, like, that's really interesting. Like
1: I love that Tony references Stan Brackage in his review. Absolutely. I was like, that's absolutely amazing. Really,
2: man. Yeah, and just think about it. I mean, just think about those incredible washes of color, you know? Yeah, like,
1: this... it's true. It's... And also, like, it's like, you know, I lament sort of, like, the digitalization of, of, you know, like a Netflix movie or a Marvel movie. But Michael Mann is, like, dealing with digital in a, such a... T- textural, interesting, like really thinking about what this can do. Oh, I can shoot the entire movie at night on a damn office building. Like I'm (laughs) going to do that then. And I'm going to see what it makes. And it's, and it's about the medium and the format and not about just like, oh, we can just, you know, fix it in post and, you know, exploit a bunch of VFX workers while we're at it.
2: Why I mentioned abstract expressionism. I mean really aware of of the actual media. Like you're aware of it. Like I remember, you know, that that incredible, incredible night scene where they're on the on the roof, you know, and there's really no point to being there. But I remember, you know, I gasped again. It's just so astonishingly beautiful, you know. And you think about you know, he's got an astonishing eye. Like, it makes me sad that he was like, why do people like it? It's like, well, first of all, it is an amazingly beautiful movie. And just on both terms alone, like, even if you want to argue about the coherence of the narrative, which is completely uninteresting to me, you know, I'm more interested in how it's pushing narrative, but it's just as a beautiful thing. Like, it's astonishing. It's astonishing. And to show, like, this is a new way of looking at the world. That's what Mm -hmm. I felt when I was watching it. This is a way I... You know, I just felt like this, you know, it's like I was watching anew and I think that's a very brackage thing. You know, it's like, what does a baby see, you know, is born? How does a child see the world? And it was kind of like, how are we now? That's a brackage thing. How are we now, says Michael Mann, looking at the world with digital? And it's astonishing.
0: Yeah. Indeed. It's, it's, there's nothing on a market. he might use digital photography in a way that pushes it. But I would like, if they said to Michael, Michael, do you really need that ferrari from you know that ferrari from italy that brand new ferrari to race down a miami raceway like michael mann's like yes i do and i need to go and visit the factory in a private concord tomorrow they're uh, they're waiting for me like there's no one there's they're they're not gonna trick him like i will fix the car in post just shoot it we'll cover he's gonna go no i want the car and i want colin at the racetrack driving the car to make sure that he knows that how to use it because I need to shoot him going 130 in Miami in that car in that scene. It might and be a I need the cap- sound
1: <laughs> supervisor on the set. I'm flying the sound supervisor out. This he literally like we were talking to the sound supervisor, he was like no one else flies us to set for to capture sound, but he was on set recording speedboats for a damn month like yeah. for a, a scene that didn't even make it into the <laughs> theatrical
2: <kind>. guide. <laughs> and then why, why in any way would you criticize an artist for wanting perfection? No. I
1: know it's, be, yeah, yeah. It's be, and also, like you said, he's pushing himself harder than anyone else. Like he's sleeping two hours a night. He's that, drinking jet fuel coffee. He's not, if anybody is working hard, he is working harder.
0: Both Colin's assistant and Col- Colin's assistant, Jaffa, and, uh, and Justin Lieberman, who's one of Michael's trio of assistants, they said, like, usually we would get a production office and sometimes we'd take a floor of a hotel so we could have all the rooms interconnected and people could go off and sleep and things like that. And they're like, you know, as an assistant, I get in early. Before I get in, Michael's in. And I work all the way into the night, past midnight, We've got an early start of 4am past that all the way out. Michael's still there. He, he goes, I, I, if I had to guess, I would say during production, it's two to three hours a night's sleep mm-hmm. and he's around the clock, every division. He is editing he is sound. He's, you know, VFX, here's the cuts walking through the different department heads, his costume, etc., cetera, scouting. He, he it's, it's a, he's in the fever dream with us. He's mm-hmm. there, he's there orchestrating it for us underneath.
2: And then he makes a fever dream. I mean, yeah. So
0: yeah. it's perfect.
1: Perfect. Yeah. We can't blame him for wanting perfection. And right. we love it. And we celebrate it. And just like <laughs> Tony's review said, you know, Michael Mann's movies are about operatic passions. And so is this podcast.
0: <laughs> so is
3: Blake's <laughs> podcast empire.
0: <laughs> oh, Katie, you're too sweet. Well, look, um, I really don't know where to go because I'm 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 completely flawed. I'm so thankful for you that you exist, Manola Dargis, but the fact that you would even come on this show come and on, play man. this silly game with us, it's just the best in the whole world. It makes my whole week. Um, so just thank you so much for being a part of the show. And also thank you for your absolutely stunning work. But that Jimmy Kahn piece you did was another one of your well, really special you so ones. It was so soul sold, sold crushingly, incisive if i have to say that and and it was it was a hard read but man it was beautiful
2: thank you that's very very sweet um where are you guys i'm just curious before we leave where are you guys planning to take this like what is your like what is your end what do you think like are you gonna try to get michael mann on this
0: well with There's a very high possibility that man is around because he's done things like, uh, he did our Mohicans show really quickly. He did One Heat Minute. Miami Nice has grown into, it's grown out of the scope of Miami largely. And now we just call it, when Katie and I talk to each other about it or we're talking to guests, we call it like modern Man, Because what we've started to discover, especially when you go into the layers, is the interconnectedness of a few key projects, like leaping out of Ali into collateral, and then how collateral bleeds into, especially with the similar production leads, you know, um, people shooting it, editors, sound designers, they bleed into Miami Vice. So we've started to have conversations across this modern man landscape. Uh, Only two weeks ago, Katie and I did a live screening of the Black Hat Hacker Cut, which we created because we found a special cut of Black Hat that is the Michael Mann director's cut and we did a screening with some of our fans. So what we're doing is this big interconnected love fest of this contemporary man. Because we've, you know, One Heat Minute covered, um, extensively covered, you know, the, the main show, um, uh, the, the main thing that he's uh, noticed about. But uh, we, we're just, that's where we're branching out into modern man. We just want to keep talking about these things because we keep seeing, again, With the dirge of content that we received today that he's these modern ones now all start rising to the top it's not just miami vice it's like everyone is reappraising constantly his work so it's exciting for us to talk about what it means to people and especially this movie this sexy Horny fever dream of a movie is something that we just love to talk about because it just continues to us have that rewatchability over and over again. It's just like, you feel like, oh, I need to cleanse from the latest Netflix action film. Let's put on Miami Vice. <laughs> Thank you. Sexiness, lo- real locations. I came home from Prey, cause in Australia, I came home from Prey at, at a screening and my wife was like, how was it? I go, it was excellent. There were real sets. There, were, <laughs> there was an actual location. And I was like, "Wait, is the bar that low? Is the bar that low?" And I was like, "You know, but it's also a good movie,
2: though. It's also a terrific
0: movie, terrific movie, and and the stars are great. But I just mean, you know, you feel there's something innate in in these man movies, and yeah. So we've we've turned it into modern man. So hopefully, it's a man's world. (laughs) It's a a man's man's
1: world. world. Yes, (laughs) it's a man's 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 world. unfortunately our goal is to get colin farrell on this podcast oh my God. we've tried i have tried but you know what we're gonna start with eddie marzin we're gonna start with dominic lombardozzi we're still working our way up the ladder but we will take anyone we'll fi-
0: finally one day colin farrell will come on this show and go and then at the end we'll have to say we're so sorry, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. We're so sorry.
1: he's gonna come on the show and be like i don't remember
0: Sorry, know,
1: no,
2: that's what he sets his line about. That's him. his and, line, yeah. yeah. And he says he doesn't really like the movie, but I have to say, my 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 dude, it's one of your best movies. It's, so the, I
0: one, it's it is a profound performance. We have come. We're gonna have the a phrase.
1: therapeutic. We're gonna have a therapeutic session with him where we're like, love this movie. I but,
2: even love his. I mean, I I love the whole look of the character. It's oh, like it is. It is sublime, easy, sexy, and the kind of. You know it's it reminds me of like oh that kind
1: of boy <laughs> well, t- tell manola what we say about colin in this movie blake
0: we our just phrase. Say, our phrase is colin's not there <laughs> colin's not there he's is, like
1: channeling he's he's he he, gone his, people it's like, like he colin farrell. Is gone. i'm like
0: no 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 stop that's not colin farrell he's gone that's sunny that's yeah, sunny no, everything scary. about him is just it's dripping yeah. off him but um on that note, dripping off him. Um, <laughs> thank you so much again. We love you. And, uh, thank you. It's such you. a treat talking to you. You're the best as always. And uh, thank you so much again.
2: Thank you so much. Um, and, you know, if you want to do a, a close analysis of a scene, you know, you have my number, honey. Just let oh.
0: me know. You be um, careful. You be careful. <laughs> because I'm a fiend for mojitos. <laughs> <laughs>